Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? God, remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah, basic glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned them into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? Welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. I'm Batman. And Judd. We are here tonight to discuss Season 1, Episode 18 of The Twilight Zone, The Last Flight, with an air date of February 5th, 1960. A World War I British fighter pilot lands at an American airbase in France 42 years in the future. What do we think? And A 10 off the I bat? 10. Love this. Love wow. this. Love this. Love this. Holy shit. Yeah, I lost my shit watching this one. You didn't even hold back, didn't fucking say nothing, just screamed 10 right at the bat. Yeah, I was so in the bag from the opening minutes of this. I mean, Well, my thing is, we haven't really discussed this, but I'm a total butt slut for anything time travel related. Butt slut, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I fucking love time, anything time travel related, I love. And this is such a good early time travel story. Dude, our boy's back. Richard Matheson. Yeah. Coming back. And as this is his second story on the show. Uh, I think this is his first like credited script credited to. Or is that wrong? It's the first non-Serling script to go into production. Wow. Okay. So good. Uh, top to bottom. From the opening, the clunky guy in front of a, a backdrop and the wind machine. In the cockpit shots. The yeah, beginning. that's fine. Fine. I'll take that. Come on. I'm not going to knock that. But when he lands and he's on a modern runway with a modern plane and I, when he just lands and that's just wordless, just like he just lands and it's just like, whoa, because it's just Rod's at the head of the episode. It's Rod Serling saying what the situation is for this pilot. Witness Flight Lieutenant William Terrence Decker. Royal Flying Corps, returning from a patrol somewhere over France. The year is 1917. The problem is that the lieutenant is hopelessly lost. This is a, a British pilot fighting in World War One. He lands, and we see all the modern stuff, and it's just like, cut to commercials. Like, you know, that's fantastic. Love that. Yeah, I like the, the line that he does. It's, uh, Decker will soon discover. Cover that a man can be lost not only in terms of maps and miles, but also in time. I like that a lot. Fucking Serling. Fucking guy. So good. Yeah. Love this episode as well. And knew Frank would love it because of how many uh, sweaty oh, men. Oh, there was a lot of agitated oh, men in this one. A lot of sweating. So sweaty and agitated. A lot of those angles showing Surplus the sweat. Woo. Oh. And they put it like they put sweaty men. And it's like here, let them let's stab them stand in front of these blinds to give it that nice, uh, nice sheen. 
Let's have some shadows, but really highlight the sheen on the forehead. Fantastic. Good use of sweaty men this episode. I was I was more middle of the road on this one. Hmm. Okay. Like I thought it was fine. I thought everything about it was was well done. There's like hints of other episodes that made it feel a little more redundant. And again, it's like we've had some really awesome things to compare it to. So even if I'm like, yeah, that was okay, it's still good. It's just like compared to one we did two weeks ago, it's all right. You know, I I just love the central concept of it, and they 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 took it to places. I mean, you could have just did that, have him come out in 2019. But the personal touches they throw into it, like his his cowardice, and this is like a chance for redemption. The way he just mm-hmm. did the plots, like and did it's like the bootstrap paradox mechanics. I loved all that stuff. A feel good Twilight Zone episode. Kind of a feel good one. Yeah, he uh, had the chance to do it. The ob- yeah, bittersweet, I guess. But more so, he had the opportunity to do it right, and he did a noble sacrifice. Yeah, he gets redemption cool. for his name. Did anybody get Langoliers vibes from this? Like, did you think, like, maybe, what? Now that you say that, yeah. Before you said that, not as much. Because I'm looking yeah. at Chris, because he's just like, made a You smile. bring up the Langoliers a lot on this job. I like the Langoliers. <laughs> <laughs> I get Batman Forever vibes. I'm Batman. Anytime Frank brings up Langoliers, Batman, I'm I'm always gonna smirk. (laughs) It's a drinking. That's drinking game stuff. Yeah, that's the fucking the zoning out bingo card. There's uh, Langoliers, Batman, (laughs) (laughs) and of course Congo. Stop eating my sesame cake, Congo. So normally the procedure for a first time contributor would have been to write an outline before going to the script. But in this case, Matheson just sent them the idea. Yeah, I think, so I think that's, that's he's, he's got pull. He's yeah, got carte blanche at this point, I think. Yeah, he's, yeah. Got, he, he's got a pedigree at this point. Like, you know, they know, they know who he is. I know who he is. Who is he? I know who are you. Well, you say that, but you don't know shit. I know who are you. The performance by uh, Kenneth Hay. Hi, hey. Hey. I can't hey. Hi, hey. It's really good. <laughs> I enjoyed his stuff a lot. For me, I couldn't find a false note in it. The I was just along for the ride. Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Where is this going? And then when they start pulling that, oh, he should have died. Well, let me just get let's let's back let's back up. Let's beef. back up. So, Terry Decker, 1917 British Air Corps pilot is lost in the clouds. He lands in then contemporary 1959. France, a, a, Fran- a French-American military base. What do you mean running this antique in front of an approaching aircraft? Don't you understand what I'm saying? Are you French? I'm British. Are you American? Can't you see this is an American base? But all this, we had no idea you were so advanced. What? You better come with me. Could have been a little bit more flummoxed by these things he's never even conceived of, just being yeah. willy-nilly all around him. A, a jumbo jet in front of him. Not There's a, a jumbo jet. It's yeah. A, it's not a biplane. Right. I'll take it. I'll take it, though. So they, you got to move it along. He's dressed in period-appropriate clothes. He's brought before the base's general. And everybody's like, what are you doing? What are you, like an actor? What is this, some kind of air show? And he, Decker's like, what are you talking about? What's an air show? <laughs> <laughs> Major Wilson, who's in the general's quarters with uh, Decker and the general asks him, do you know what year it is? He's like, yeah, well, it's 1917, obviously. I thought I was landing at 56 Squadron RFC. 56 Squadron RFC? Wasn't that a 
What's today's date? Uh, March the 5th. What year? Why, 1917. 1917. Yes, that's correct. And he's like, no, it's 1959. So they think he's doing a gag. Right. They start going through all his personal effects, and they're like, uh... Wow, this is pretty elaborate <laughs> to go through all these lengths to wear this. Wilson is starting to buying that this guy's sincere. The general is just like, this guy's a wackadoo. What do you mean? Get him out of here. They uh, essentially bring him to a cell. Uh, it's a cell or just an interrogation room. Uh, Wilson visits him in the cell and starts asking him like questions like, what do you, what, what, what's the gag, son? Who the devil do you think you're fooling, Decker? Or whatever your name is. Sir, I swear to you, when I took off this morning, it was March the 5th, 1917. Mac and I were Who going on our... Uh, Mac, uh, Captain Mackay. Mackay? Yes, we're in the same... Alexander Mackay? Wilson un knows who Mackay is. He's like, you mean General Mackay? Who's coming like, here today? Who's coming here today? Right. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> which is neat. Uh, which, at this point, I'm like, oh, he's going to recognize him. That's what I thought. So I said, yeah, that's where I thought like, the story's going. It's going to be like a big reunion thing. Like, oh my God, where have you been? Like, I said, oh, this is going right. to be cool. But yeah. I yeah. It, I think they take it to a more interesting direction. Because he goes, no, it can't be. McKay. It can't be the same McKay because my McKay died. He's like, well, what do you mean he died? He's just like, well, truth be he told, I'm kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His life function ceased. He's like, well, truth be told, I'm kind of a pussy. And I kind of left him to die. I'm kind of a coward. Great scene, by the way, where he just lays yeah. out his cowardice. Kai will be here in a little while and we'll get to the bottom of this. I tell you what, I can't see him. Why not? Because he'll know me for what I am. What are you? I'm a coward! I'm a coward! I've always been a coward. All my life I've been running away. Pretending to be something I never was, never could be. It is weird that I understand people were drafted, but if you're kind of a, sh a skittish person, maybe proto Air Force pilot is probably not the best way to go. Yeah, we probably want to keep your feet on the ground. Maybe try for, you know, cook. Mess hall. <laughs> you know? Right. It's yeah. like, Mail it's like that sounds pretty <laughs> brave to be a fighter pilot in those stupid ass biplanes they had back then. That, right. you know, just basically new technology. We just made these things. What do we do? I guess we kill the enemy with them. We don't know what we're doing yeah. up there. <laughs> I mean, in order to get them to start, the guys would have to manually have to spin the fucking. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully it don't take your fucking right. hand off when it goes up to speed. Right. This guy's a, he's, he's professing himself to be a coward. I'm like, hey, man, that's some, take some gumption to go up in one of those things. Uh, Imagine that the balls he's fucking. I'm just thinking no, about this right no. now. The balls no. that you have to fucking have. This is a thing that no one's ever seen before. This yeah. is brand new technology. Brand new. They, you have to start this thing by giving it the old heave ho, and then you just take <laughs> off into the sky and just start fucking gatling like, fighting people. How do you train back then? It's just like okay, this is uh, this is general blah blah blah. Yeah, I kind of know what I'm doing. I took one of these up and. I haven't died yet, so I'll show you how I haven't died yet. Because I don't really yeah, understand the principles of what I'm doing. Because we... oh, the feeling in their, their tummies. Yeah. When they're coming down, there's one coming at you, and the guy's fucking... Just all the, the wind. I right. can't even fucking think about what's happening. So I don't understand what I'm doing, this completely new technology, and other people who don't know what they're doing are shooting at me. <laughs> 
It's like, this is a shit show across the board. Holy shit, man. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, pilots today and, like, aerial battles. Yeah, I'm sure. It takes fucking bigger balls than I have. But then it's on. I can't even. You're fucking. You're out. It's you're in a convertible. <laughs> you're in a convertible in the sky. You just fucking. <laughs> I ride my bike a little too fast. I'm like, oh, I got something in my eye. Right? Forget about shooting. A well-placed <laughs> dove could end your life very good. Well, easily. Right. Well, the whole time like, like panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Somebody's shooting! What do you mean? What the fuck is going on? Who the fuck is this France Ferdinand guy anyway? I don't give a shit. I just want to go home. Can I just go oh. home? The wind, your face is just being assaulted yeah. by air. Yeah, because they had, you know, the first few guys didn't have goggles. No, they had to, somebody had to go up and go, <laughs> like oh this, shit, I'm squinting. blind now. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> just squinting and just holding a joystick. You don't know where the fuck you're going. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just like yeah. That first, okay. So you have to land this thing. Oh yeah, landing. How do we do that? Well, maybe the first. Yeah. Is, let's, let's not make the wheels out of wood and rock next time. Oh, how do we do that? <laughs> then you just. All right, we don't do it like that. Okay, right. That didn't work. All right. Yeah. Try not to just spike it directly into the ground. <laughs> you could fall out of that thing. Yeah. You do, this Miniac's doing loop-de-loops in that shit. It's just like, yeah. What kind like, of belt <laughs> system did they have? There's probably no seatbelt. Oh, no. Seat no. Oh, no. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully. Hopefully. You just fell out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, right now you have so much. There's so much. So much in your favor. On... You could eject. You have a parachute. Parachute. You have ground. You have people. You have. There's no communication. There's like, how yeah. do you communicate? Like they have communication. Right. It's just like okay, stuffs autom A lot of stuffs automated. Like it's like. I'm like sure you're trying to hand signal to the guys on your squadron in the fucking <laughs> sky. <laughs> And plus, you probably haven't even figured out yet that they can't hear you. Right. You're just yelling, yeah. hey, help, help. <laughs> like, like, you can't that Bob? Why can't you hear me? Just... <laughs> hey, the stick's dead, Bob. I want to go home, Bob. I want to go home. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oxygen's yeah, thin. Yeah. Oh, why do I feel high all of a sudden? <laughs> You've gone too high. You can't, you can't, you can't go that much further up because your your brain will suffocate. <laughs> oh, so don't do that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's how the guy's teaching the class. He's just like, oh, oh, what, oh, what's the other thing? Oh, oh, uh, don't go to you know the altitude that we just discovered exists. Uh, <laughs> don't go up too far because you uh, you'll like die. We haven't figured that out. We haven't thought that maybe a roof <laughs> on this plane might be a, a thing that keep. Yeah, a windscreen. Watch out for those pigeons. They'll fucking end your shit quicker than any German will. Pigeons. What a yeah, terrifying situation to be in. Yeah, and that guy says, yeah, I'm kind of a coward because I get a little skittish when uh, the other people start shooting at me. Yeah. And the other boys make fun of me. So, like, who? how crazy are the other guys? Other guys are making fun. Oh, you pussy. <laughs> you pussy. We have, have we invented tape yet? Because this rudder is about to fall off. Ah, fuck it. I mean, Jesus Christ, just the, the craftsmanship that must have went on back then. Like, the principles of aerodynamics are, like, really in their infancy at this point. Like, so they don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, very crazy stuff. 
So he says, I'm kind of a coward, and I left a squad of seven German planes came at us, and I, I booked out of there, hit that cloud, and that's how I ended up here. So I left Mac to his death, so it can't be the same Mac. Decker then realizes that I've been given a second chance, so maybe I could go back through that cloud, and I could save Mac, because... And he's like, well, Mac's alive. He's like, but how do you know he'll, if I don't go back, how do you know who will be alive? And he didn't die 42 years ago. Mm. So he's got like a, there's like a whole bootstrap paradox thing happening. Wibbly-wobbly, Tommy Wine. Yeah, it's a wibbly-wobbly, Tommy Wine. Decker escapes the the cell. Uh, Wilson catches up with him when he gets in his plane, trains a gun at him and says, listen, I can't just leave. He's like, look, you're going to have to shoot me because this is, I have to do this. Wilson lets him go because he, he was buying his story. He's then getting chewed out by the general for letting a possible lunatic go. That's when Mac shows up and they ask him like, hey, did you know a guy named Decker? He's like, Decker. He's like, yeah, oh, that's the, the guy saved my Heard life. Name in years. So did you ever know a man by the name of William Terrence Decker? Terry Decker? Oh, I certainly should know him. Saved my life. What? I thought he was going to be a pussy and book out of there, but came in, took care of the Germans until they took care of him and uh, saved my life that day. Uh, at one point, Decker's explaining, he's like, I, at some point, at one point, I wanted to get captured by the Germans because they treat the pilots really well because they're, they're saying, you guys are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, have some, hey, have some soup. You they guys just, are nuts. He puts a fucking leather helmet on and just goes up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, leather. What's leather going to do? It's so like a, what, their Seinfeld bit, it's like it, the helmet's wearing you as a as a helmet. It's like what the hell is a leather? You know what? What's the point? What's the point of it? Uh, so like he said, like uh, the Germans would customarily, if they found your effects, they would send it back to you because that's how much respect they had for airmen. And so he's like, did, it, did they ever retrieve his personal effects? It's like no. And he's so he shows Mac General Mac, whatever McIntyre, whatever his name was. Uh, he shows him his ID and all uh, Decker's ID, and he's like, where the hell did you find this? And they're like, whoa, we found it in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Oh, and, uh, there's one more thing. Decker had a, a nickname for Mac called Old Lead Bottom because he took a bullet in the butt. Hey, I ain't putting no boogie in nobody's butt. That's nasty, man. What you talking about? So he called him Old Lead Bottom. And it ends with Wilson calling Mac Lead Bottom. And that's the last, that's the clincher. Like, yeah, just to be sure, this was that dude. Right. And uh, something really uh, strange and Langolierish happened here today. Something Batmanish happened here today. Something Batman, not quite Batmanish, but it was definitely Langolierish. <laughs> There's something Danny Elfmanish about this yeah. situation. <laughs> I really, I don't really have much. <laughs> I love this episode uh, a lot. Yeah, this is really uh, a good one. This is a great, just like especially putting in context for its time, like time travel stories. I, I don't know a lot of time travel stories from this time. I think this has got to be a really big one. Because yeah. a lot of time travel stuff does come from Matheson. Matheson said that was one of those cases where the idea is so vivid. A World War One pilot lands and he's on a modern air base. It gives you a vision so immediately that they responded to it. They being like the network suits who kind of gave the green light. Uh, in terms of actors this week, the only actor I recognized was uh, the guy who played the general, Alexander Scorby. He's in a great movie called The Big Heat. If anybody's ever seen that, it's a, a crime noir thriller from the early 50s. Uh, he plays uh, Boris Boss Lagana? Yeah, I think Boss Lagana. And he's like the, the main villain and antagonist in that movie, and he's great. 
The other thing I recognize him from is in his last role. I found out was his last role. If anybody's ever seen Larry Cohen's The Stuff. Remember The Stuff, Chris? That's the stuff that you, it's like a yogurt stuff that people eat and it turns them into like mush. Remember that? No. The Stuff? Never saw it. It's a, it's a big, it's a fairly popular 80s cult horror film. I don't remember The Stuff. It's not great. I've watched it recently. Aside from Michael Moriarty's incredible lead performance, uh, it's oh, not a great yeah. movie. You remember that, right? Yeah, you yeah, kind of yeah, remember kinda, that. Yeah. A film loaded with great ideas, but it's one uh, of the Paul Sorvino most... and Danny Aiello were in this. Dude, it's a fucking stacked cast. <laughs> uh, Larry Cohen, who's a really great writer, who wrote a lot of great uh, genre pictures, and Garrett Morris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Garrett Morris I'm is great. I'm gonna. Gonna get me a shotgun and kill all the whiteys I see. <laughs> then I get a white woman who's wearing a nigger Black blue sweater. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The best, mo- one of the best SNL moments of all time. Still. Yeah, it's a stack cast. Uh, Larry Cohen, really great genre writer and director. It's a it's a film with great ideas, like a really fun anti-consumerist message. It's essentially this alien ooze that tastes really good, and they just marketed it as the stuff, and people start eating it and think it's the tagline of the movie. Are you eating it, or is it eating you? Mm-hmm. So uh, Big Ice Cream hires Mario Moriarty, Michael Moriarty because like uh, this stuff is eating into their sales. Like they literally, there's a yacht with big ice cream assembled that hired a former FBI turned private investigator. I forget the uh, Michael Moriarty's name. And the head of big ice cream in this movie is Alexander Scorby, uh, mm-hmm. who hires uh, Michael Moriarty to investigate the stuff and like where it came from. And it just came from like some crater in the middle of like nowhere. And it's like highly addictive and it kills you. Oh, I want a stuff <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah, stuff's fun. No, the stuff, the, the logo to the stuff is fantastic. It's a great, it's a movie with great ideas. I don't think it's a great movie. I think the bizarre editing holds it back. Uh, apparently there was a problem editing this film and you could see it. Like, it's like, there's like a lot of weird uh, rough edges to the film that for me kind of hurt it. Uh, it's still a lot of fun. It's, it, it's a movie that's a lot of fun, but could be an all timer classic genre picture, but it's just, as it stands, it's just a good time. And now a word from our sponsors. When I was a little girl, I didn't think there was anything that I liked better than ice cream. Now I'm a big girl, and I've decided there's something I like better, much better. It's called the stuff. And believe me, enough is never enough. So this episode is brought to you by the good folks at Far West Press and Maverick indie filmmaker Kansas Bowling. We go way back with Miss Bowling, don't we guys? Yes sir, as the time of this recording, about one week. First up, for those who hate writing letters, there's pre-written letters for your convenience, pre-written by Kansas, alongside her sister and frequent co-conspirator Parker Love Bowling. A series of increasingly specific and absurd letters that are meant to be cut out and sent to the people in your life. If you're like me, and I know I am, this book will tickle your funny bone and caress your aching knees. Next up is the companion book to Miss Bowling's upcoming film, Cuddly Toys, the aptly named A Cuddly Toys Companion. All kidding aside, I was shown a screen of this film, and it is nothing short of a masterpiece. Oh, don't worry, folks. You're gonna hear a you're gonna hear a lot more about this film from me in the coming months. I was genuinely floored by it. 
This book follows the harrowing and often hilarious adventures Kansas and crew went on in making this soon-to-be classic. If you love film, filmmaking, and crazy behind-the-scenes stories, this book delivers all that in spades. And fret not, you needn't be familiar with Mrs. Bowling's Ovure. How do you say Ovure? Am I saying Ovure right? Ovure? Yeah. You don't need to be familiar with Miss Bowling's Ovure <laughs> to enjoy this pair of books. You must simply be of unusually high intelligence and distractingly attractive, which is how I see our audience in my mind's eye. But now is your chance to prove it with action by heading on over to farwestpress.com and picking up pre-written <laughs> rubber baby buggy bumpers and picking up pre-written letters for your convenience and a cuddly toys companion. While you're out, check out kansas-bowling.com to see what goings-on she's up to lately. You'll be supporting our shows by supporting our new sponsors, Kansas Bowling and farwestpress.com. Thank you for listening, folks. I love you. I think I got it. Speaking of 80s horror movies with fun effects that I used to watch all the time as a kid, you know what I watched the other day? Arena. It's on Tubi. I was so excited when I saw oh, it. That's such so a fun I've been, movie. With COVID, I've been just quarantined in the room and just watching just trash. The guys who made that movie, uh, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, also created the show The Flash. That was what they followed yeah, it yeah, up yeah, with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, scored by Danny Elfman. Uh Friend of Batman. I'm Batman. Friend of Batman. She also scored <laughs> Batman. Uh, <laughs> I'm a broken record. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I always loved Arena. It's essentially a boxing epic in space. You ever yeah. see it, John? I've never heard of it. Oh, man. There is a battleground where alien warriors compete for the ultimate prize. I am champion! Will a human do battle in the arena? Now, where is the challenger? Where humans have lost. You ever thought about the arena, Steve? It ain't gonna work. This guy's a human. What it takes to win. You're talking about arena fighting. It's not for me. Now we kill him. <laughs> arena. It's in like an intergalactic space station. And there's a boxing tournament and this... I forget the name. Armstrong. Uh, oh, what the, the fuck's his name? Yeah, I think I forget the name of the guy who looks like a blonde Christopher Reeves. Like, yeah. it's crazy. He's the first human competitor. He's the the great human hope, essentially, of boxing. And it's all okay. it's him boxing a bunch of alien species. Oh, and Shari Shattuck plays the femme fatale, and I had a big crush on that yeah. actress. Oh, I can't. It's like tough to watch because it's like, oh, I loved her so much. <laughs> Arena. Yeah, arena. Arena. Ah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. Yeah. Steve Armstrong. Steve Armstrong, yeah. I don't know what else to say about this episode. Objectively, uh, maybe not the best, but it pushed my buttons. It's like, oh, damn, you got my number episode, so automatic 10 for me. Yeah, I, I give this an 8. That's probably more no, reasonable. 6. 6. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> but for me, for me 6 is like solid cuz I'm keeping track of my score. Yeah, I don't keep track of like <laughs> like the sevens and the eights and the nines, it's just it's the the competition's getting tough. Yeah, yeah. So six is very good. I try to watch this thinking as a '60s kid, like a 1960s kid watching this. This must have rocked your fucking world. This story, like that's just a mind blower. I remember Absolutely, seeing yeah. Back to the Future when I was five, and I I didn't understand what time travel because I was you know I was five. So I'm like, you know, when Doc Brown gets killed at the beginning and then he sh then Marty shows up at his house and I don't understand that he's younger because he just, you know, they're just all old people. So if his hair is slightly less white, 
I don't understand that he's supposed to be a younger person. I just understand, like, but didn't that guy die? And it was only, like, days afterwards of me, like, constantly working the problem that I finally understand what had actually gone on in the movie. And then I became obsessed with the concept of it. I'm like, wait a minute, that's crazy. What an amazing, it's a mind-blowing concept when you're a little kid, time travel. So I'm watching this, thinking about it. Like, this, like, if you're a 1960 kid, you must have lost your goddamn shit watching this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did you, is this your only 10 or was Perchance a 10? Perchance the Dream is a 10. That's my so second you got two 10. tens. Yeah, two 10s. It's weird. I didn't plan it for it to be this way, but it's both 10s are episodes not written by Serling, which is weird. Ooh. Well, now we got Monster, Monsters. Is, you can see it now. Oh, no, we're close. You I was about to say, because like, I, I we're knocking at that door. Yeah, it's we're four, weeks, so, we're four weeks away. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so excited. So that's like basically one or two recording sessions away. So yeah. coming up. And yeah. then we're short. Right after that, well, not really right after, but we got uh, a stop at Willoughby coming up too. Oh, dude, these are we mm. got some some crazy ones coming up. Again, these are all episodes. Never saw Last Flight. Never even knew about it. Didn't know anything about it. And there's one actually yeah, that's would... coming up soon. Uh, Elegy. That I really fucking like, and I totally forgot about until I saw the started reading the description of it. That will that's two that's away. two away. We'll get in that one. Uh, how many episodes of this season? So so where are we in the season? We're like halfway through. This is yeah, we're exactly halfway. Yeah. We're exactly halfway. I had a feeling we were halfway. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So halfway through and. Uh, uh, more puds than duds. I don't know. I was trying to think of a pun. I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> what's a pun? Why would a dick? <laughs> yeah, but why would? <laughs> I don't know. That's why I'm. I, I I I wasn't happy with it either, Chris. <laughs> more zones than bones. Yeah, something. I don't know. I was trying to come. Because I, I started with ducks. <laughs> I started with duds, and I'm like, "What rhymes with duds?" And all I could think of was dick all the we time. We gotta so make a t-shirt just with just a big dick on. It just says more puns than duds. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Now with we a get big to... black and white swirled dick. Yeah, <laughs> with the eyeballs ball as the ball. <laughs> an eyeball, come, an eyeball, and a clock for the balls. <laughs> more puns than duds. <laughs> So is this episode or a pun or a dud? <laughs> oh God! Say put a tree in your butt, put a, a bumblebee in your butt, put a clock in your butt, put a big rock. And now, Mr. Serling. Next week we show you the face of war, but the kind of portrait we venture to say you've never seen before. Dick York and William Reynolds star in the Purple Testament, the story of a man who can forecast death. That's next week on The Twilight Zone, The Purple Testament. We hope you'll join us. Thank you and good night.